Thank you for listening to JoJo's Bizarre Podcast. My name is Miles, and as you can tell, this episode is different because it's just me and friend of the pod, Tim. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Normally, this is exclusively a podcast about the JoJo's Bizarre Podcast TV anime and nothing else. Uh, If you want proof, you can look at our back catalog, not look at it, you can listen to it at anchor.fm slash jjbpod. But today, for one night only, we're talking about season one of the 2007 anime Moyashimon, because Tim wanted to. Uh, and we'll get into your reasons, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I I wanted to, but also I asked you, and you said you also wanted to, so I thought... No, know. this is this is all you. Oh, goddamn. All right. <laughs> Uh, before we get into all of that, um, don't forget you can get into our microbe mailbox, uh, which is our email at jojosbizarrepod at gmail.com. God, I hope that's right. You can also follow us on Twitter at jjbpod and subscribe to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash jjbpod. We actually already did a podcast about the first three episodes of Muyashiman as a Patreon pick. One of our tiers is you pay us fifteen dollars and we'll do an episode about whatever anime you want um and i think i can now reveal that we did that episode was was you was it your patreon pick it was my patreon pick okay who else would pick this show i don't know (laughs) i guess we'll find out based on the listenership to this episode it's just gonna be me i'm just gonna listen to the episode that we recorded with me for the show that's for me this is just a huge vanity project i mean what else is podcasting really that's true that's a great point tim (laughs) that's a great point although i don't listen to this podcast so how much of a vanity project can it really be i think you should now talk about why you wanted to talk about this show why did you first why did you pick the show and then why did you think that we should talk more about it this ended up being kind of like a bigger question than i expected when i started thinking about it I think the uh, the earnest answer at this point is that shows about microbiology don't really exist. There's so um, many. <laughs> like there's cells at work. That's not about micro. So so this is the thing, right? Like cells okay. at work is kind of the the classic. Like oh yeah, it's about like microscopic things or whatever. But it's it's a very different kind of show, and so. Okay. Not only are there very few shows I think that are about like the field of work that I study, but also like very few are about agriculture and the intersection of that study with kind of uh, a basic human um, like cultural enterprise. And so the fact that something like this exists at all in the first place is kind of a miracle to me, particularly as someone who like has spent a lot of time doing science and microbiology outreach uh, and education, right? Like this show is weird in the best way for me. In case people don't know, can you talk about like the work you do and why you are particularly (laughs) suited to this show? Yes. So I am a, a biochemist, I think is the most, a chemical biologist. I have a I have, a, I have degrees in, let's see, molecular and cell biology with a focus on biomolecular biophysics. And then I have a PhD in chemical biology. My work has historically been on engineering uh, E. coli to make various chemicals, which is one of the microbe theaters, which made me very happy. Um, and then <laughs> I additionally have spent a lot of time doing education as a, a TA, like graduate student and editing course materials and stuff for various um, science and cooking courses. Um, So not only do I do this work with, you know, engineering microbes, I also like talk about food and uh, my field of study, like pretty intensely in a lot of cases. Okay. So this show is like made for you. Mm hmm. Is is it weird? Like, how did you discover it? Was it weird when you found out about it? Of all things, my sister told me about it. Um, Okay. So 2007 was, I think, a year before I started undergrad. And 
I learned about this show, I think in 2008 or 2009, because my sister, who was working in a yeast lab at the same undergrad school that I ended up going to, found out about it through a coworker and was like, Tim, holy shit, you have to watch this show. So I did. And like both of us, we had a bonding moment. I mean, like we I bought like fan art stuff at cons and like we both have the pencil bag with like the microbes on it and stuff like that. Right. Because because it really resonated. What is a yeast lab? <laughs> so um, that's a good question. Maya. Like, so so imagine then like I have this perfect show and I tell people about it years for years and years and I was just like, all right, this seems like some Tim bullshit, whatever. And then I finally pay you all to watch this and then don't show up on the podcast and have to sit through Mark being like, is yogurt microbes? And I'm just dying the entire time because I can answer all these questions. Like, okay. <laughs> so yes, a, a yeast lab. So within biotechnology, there are a few what we call model organisms most commonly, you know about things like lab rats, right? Like mice and um, maybe fruit flies, um, certain types of plants, right? There, there's these really common animals that we associate with laboratory work. This is true for microbiology as well. So there are a few mainstay organisms that are what we call model organisms. One of them is yeast, baker's yeast specifically, um, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, again, featured in a lot of the microbe theaters. And then um, E. coli, the one I work with, is, is kind of the biggest one. And there's a couple others as well. B. subtilis is one. That's the natto organism. So yeah, a lot of them come from either human waste or human pre-waste or food, I guess. Delicious. <laughs> so uh, w- did you really like grit your teeth through the whole podcast episode? Is that a reason that you wanted to do this? <laughs> I, it's not the reason I wanted to do this. Um, I think I was excited. Like, you have to imagine, right? Anytime anyone is is sort of like, this show seems interesting. I would like to watch more. Like, I, I am here. I exist to okay. nurture that feeling. Great. And I think that's the main reason is, like, I think listening to the podcast did give me an appreciation for, like, how much this show is made for me in the sense that I already know a lot going in. And revisiting the show, part of what the value of that for me is, is I'm a lot more knowledgeable about science and microbiology, microbiology than like when I listened to this as a college freshman. Mm-hmm. And the difference is also that like this show is about college freshmen. Yeah. In a way that like it's very interesting to look back having like been through graduate school, you know, done education, started baking as a hobby, like all these things. Right. And like revisit the themes of this show and like the various ways that it is both about science and not really about science. right? Yeah. So this was my, obviously my first time watching it and I'll, I'll get to like what I think in a second, but I wanted to ask like what, so this is like a formative anime for you. It sounds like, and I made you watch it again if we were going to do this episode. (laughs) So like what, I, I guess what, changed about your perspective after watching it again well i will probably get to it later i think a big one is is 2007 was a different time for like gender and Mm -hmm. like queerness and those are actually big themes in this show in a way that i i remembered parts of it but i think i had forgotten how frequent uh some of that stuff comes up and Mm -hmm. and how like more fratty it is at times um yeah yeah, and like, you know, that that definitely has changed uh, over time with me. Um Yeah, I guess I yeah, I guess thinking about I thought it was more recent than that, but I it, it is, you know, it is surprising. It makes it feel even more progressive, I guess, that it's 2007. It makes me want to give it more of a break on some of the fratty stuff you're alluding to. Exactly. Well, and I think like the the way that it resolves some of that stuff, I do think is progressive for the time. But like that's not an excuse for yeah. some of the framework that it uses, and I think I think to me there's a there's a way that some of it can be seen as kind of just a truthful representation of how freshman men are of that era, right? You know, <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's true, not out of place for what I remember college kind of being like at times, yeah. right? But um, it's a it's, yeah. a it's a gross place that you have to sort of grow beyond. 
I mean, there have there were scandals breaking like in 2010, you know, about people keeping records. Like some of the things that come up in this show specifically, I imagine the author probably read about on like news sites at the time or something. Right? It's just some of it feels like, oh, yeah, I remember that being a story. Yeah. Do you want to know what I think? Uh, yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> I think I like the show. I think I liked how character driven it was. I could really root for the main guy's Tadeyasu. Yes. I really liked the professor, particularly his voice. I think like, I don't know. I always like old Japanese man voice, if that's not a weird thing to say. (laughs) Well, and he's a particular type too. He's not the sort of like super masculine, like solid snake type, right? He's that. And it's, it's funny too, because I like... There's a part of me that wants to know which professor Itsuki Sensei is based on because he feels mm-hmm. very realistic as a type of, of professor. I know the closest analog that I remember like hearing talk about things, you know, back when I was in grad school, that type oh, of thing. Oh, you have your thing. own professor. I didn't like have this he, guy. he wasn't like personally an Itsuki for me, but he has kind of the same there's a vibe, right? The okay. type of professor who would like brew their own sake and call it an experiment. Like that's a that's definitely a type of guy. that's pretty cool oh before i continue i wanted to ask earlier so i know you work in this field but you're also big into like fermentation and stuff like on your own time is that Mm -hmm. accurate yeah i think so what kind of stuff do you do (laughs) i i tend to be a little shy about lactic fermentations like i don't do a lot of fresh fermentations with you know kimchi and pickles and that type of thing but i do bake a lot these days um okay so so and that's actually a little more recent. I think I've like always been interested in it and never really had the guts. Um, but with baked goods in particular, you bake everything. So there's no issues of sterility or like accuracy and technique the way that there sometimes feels like there can be with beer or other things. Yeah. So, yeah. Over the pandemic, my partner and I got a starter for kombucha, Ah, which was interesting, but I don't like kombucha that much to begin with. So it was like. Kind of not worth the effort. Hella nasty to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But fascinating as a fermentation. Really, really cool. But Yeah, there was just a, like a big floating sort of fungus. That was, I actually did do a, I took a microscopy seminar in graduate school and we got to look at kombucha under an electron microscope. It's wild. It's It looks very, it's vaguely it terrifying. Yeah, okay. yeah, even by microscopy standards, it was, it was pretty impressively like, oh, that looks alien. Yeah, I drank I drank a good amount of that over the pandemic. I mean, and it, I was it, like, I don't like this that much. <laughs> it's it's a really good. I mean, and this is the type of stuff I used to teach. I mean, the 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 course that I worked with specifically had kind of a physics focus to it, but there was a spin-off that the the preceptor for the course ended up making that was a fermentation course and I like did I I basically consulted on some of that stuff. Nice. Um so yeah, like I've thought a lot about all these things. Like kombucha's this really cool it makes this like cellulosic biofilm and it involves a couple different types of microbes in, in in you know kind of communication with each other so it's this really neat process yeah if people aren't familiar it's it's like this weird kind of like almost like layer of fat on top floating it's cellul- i mean it's it's essentially paper i mean it's the same polymer as as paper okay yeah yeah it was it was weird to sort of drink around um <laughs> The other, well, and we're going to talk more about this, but I, I do think like the women in the show were ill-treated, which, which we sort of alluded to mm-hmm. the story itself. I thought it was kind of all over the place. Like at mm-hmm. first it was, it seemed like just like a platform to teach me about microorganisms. And then there was like a crazy detour for an insane agricultural festival that I wasn't super into. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of like got in this message about, which I liked about being your authentic self in the last couple of episodes. I don't know. I, I think like the interplay between the characters is really funny. It's different. It's definitely different. Um, and I like learning about these things. And I am sort of curious to see like what you think about how, I guess I I really wanted to ask the whole time, like how accurate is this science? Are they lying to me or is this just entertainment? And this is, like, part of what makes this show so interesting to me. I think, like, on the one hand, I think the science is pretty decent. And I think some of that is because it's not explicitly trying to be educational the way that Cells at Work felt it was to me. Mm. Um, I had a hard time watching Cells at Work 
mostly because I've taken basic biology and I didn't want to have to retake basic biology. <laughs> and like so much of that show was just like, oh, we're going to tell you facts about like how a blood clot works. Right. And I'm like, I know, like, I, I know this. I get it. Right. This show felt educational in both a cultural and scientific sense. And I think when I talked about the intersection of those two things, it really is to me helpful and, and engaging to see like a culture's food represented through the lens of microbiology, right? It's not just, oh, we're going to learn all of the things that Aspergillus orizae does. We're gonna, it's, it's that, no, like this kid comes from like a miso production facility and has some knowledge that comes with the trade because, you know, you use koji mold as an ingredient during that process. But like, we'll talk a little bit about some of how that process works. And through that, like, it's not always accurate. I do think that some of the like, the scares around like breeding new influenza straight. Like, I think that it's mm. fun to kind of have the like, we shut like chickens and <laughs> pigs in a room and like created this quasi incubation space that like those types of things are obviously like a bit removed from the reality of, of how this stuff works. Um, yeah. So there's an episode where everyone gets the flu, which I found uh, incredibly triggering given the last two years. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, so you're saying that's a little bit overblown? Yeah, and I think um, I'm trying to think of other examples, like some of the food poisoning, like the degree to which they decontaminate um, with mm. some of that stuff. It felt a little outlandish, but I think it's like partly for the comedic effect. Um, yeah, and it is funny. Yeah. This is a funny show. I laughed. So you have lived this life as well. Mm. Like, so you were a freshman when you were watching the show. This show is about freshman science students. Mm -hmm. I took one science class in college. How'd it go? It was geology. <laughs> uh, literally, <laughs> I guess they called it rocks for jocks back in the day. Oh. As, a, as a jock, I can attest that it wasn't super... Actually, I don't know if it was super rigorous. I took it my senior year, and I was already like pretty serious about... like, Like not doing college anymore because I was trying to get a job. Mm. Uh, so I didn't really get good grades or pay attention. I don't remember what we did in like lab, I guess. I guess oh, he looked at rocks, stuff. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had a professor who just sounded like a, he laughed like this, <laughs> like he had smoked all the weed on earth. Oh, that's, I mean, geology has a, <laughs> it's no, it's no like botany, but I feel like it's got, it's yeah. <laughs> so I, like there's actually not a lot of class in this anime it's mostly just like them goofing off after class and doing science right right well and like that was my comment i think when you were like you know is this accurate to the experience of being a science student and like let me tell you if this to my experience being a science student all of that would be happening alongside like stressing so goddamn much about your ochem exam right like <laughs> Um, and they show they show clips of it. I mean, like there there are definitely lectures that are attended, and I think it yeah. is accurate to have people falling asleep and half paying attention to some boring uh, slide deck about random shit. But like, yeah, the fact that like the the courses and the grades are de-emphasized. Some of that is is university by university, and I do mm -hmm. think it's interesting to think about like how different an agricultural specific uh, university would have been from you know my not agricultural focused uh education um i i think um if i rem i knew I, I knew a lot of like bio and chem kids in college and they seemed way more stressed out than i was like i think everyone like the the crucible was really organic chem like if you could pass organic chem like you were gonna cut it and if you like that was the that, that weeded people out who weren't ready I mean, they're literally called weeder courses for that. And, oh. and a lot of it, honestly, so this is a difference between like an agricultural school and where I went. A lot of it is that um, pre-med requires a lot of the same yeah. technical courses. And you want to have a stressful and competitive school environment. You take the same classes pre-meds take. Okay. Which I did. I didn't and, do that. Yeah. My, my motivation in a lot of uh, undergrad was, was crushing pre-meds under my heel. Oh my um, gosh. It worked out great. We're probably very different students, Tim, <laughs> uh, especially considering where we've each ended up. <laughs> I mean, well, and I and I will say that, like, I am definitely of the the 
characters in the show. I I am more of a Haruka Hasegawa than I am okay. anyone else. I think like I I was definitely pretty high intensity, like pretty intense uh, focus. Maybe as a graduate student, some of that mellowed out because I was also in a hyper competitive, like high pressure environment for that, which mm-hmm. is very different from you know her being the one big grad student in this kind of lab environment. Um, so that is a big difference. Yeah. How, like, how do the, how does that normally work? It, I don't, I didn't understand like what she was working on. I guess she's eventually, she's working toward her doctorate, but I don't understand like it. They're very vague about like what exactly she's working on. I mean, and that's the limitation of this show to me is, is you know, they don't really get into what the, the thrust of a, a project is. And I think eventually like maybe in season two, it, it comes up. Like, I don't think it's a mystery forever, yeah. Um. There's hints about what she's working on, and it is accurate that basically it's just a job. I mean, mm-hmm, you you true. do just live in lab and look at. I mean, she's doing a lot of work with an electron microscope at times, and those things definitely, I think, are typically in basements and harder to access than what she <laughs> has. You know, you usually don't get your own, um, because you're fighting for all of the materials. Like all the materials engineers are using them constantly, so you kind of have to like force yourself in and then there's all this gnarly sample prep and it's a whole those things are incredible and intense and when they were comparing Tadayasu to one I was just like holy shit yeah those things are like if you didn't have to use them that would save a lot of time and money (laughs) yep that's another um, experience that I did not have in college I spent a lot of time in the basement of the student center making what used to be called a newspaper uh and there wasn't any science involved. I, there, there was a lot of bacteria, though. <laughs> I, I thought the most tr- true-to-life characters were the two upperclassmen, mm-hmm. uh, Misato and Kawahama, in that they were just like dirty and broke and and useless. I, I related a lot to that. Well, and I, I actually related a lot to them too because I think the the thing is they're also very specifically passionate about these really niche yeah. things. And that is that is honestly the best representation I think I've ever seen of scientists in media. Because mm-hmm. um, part of when you asked, like, why did you want to watch this show? And, like, why is it important? And, like, some of it to me is, like, within popular culture beyond anime, like, you don't get a lot of good scientists in media. They're usually these weird caricatures, like, in The Big Bang Theory. Apologies to fans of that show. I, like, cannot watch it. I Yeah, I... You know, they when you first meet them, they sort of come off like they're going to be that kind of like cliche, but they're they come off really well by the end. Like they're they seem to be pretty good. I mean, they're really weird and horny, right? Uh, which I think is probably realistic for. I mean, listen, like a twenty year old. I'm not going to cast stones, you know. Like. <laughs> uh, but like they they end up being re- like they look after their underclassmen and they're just like they're really passionate about what they're doing and that's what drives them they're not they're not assholes you know they like, seem like they're going to be at first well yeah and i mean like they they have their their problems but i think the thing that stands out to me is that they they are genuinely interested in the work that they do and they're compassionate about helping other people also be interested in the things that they like yeah and they have that like super best friend thing where they're just comfortable taking a shit next to each other. That entire sequence was so good. Like the fact that they're, they're talking about how they need to help their friend and then also having to like trade place. I also relate to this. Like I've been to Japan with crowded restrooms and had to use one of the squatty potties. And like, Mm -hmm. I do folks. I am a portion of the show, by the way, I am, I am of, uh, white european descent i do not have the genes that enable the so-called asian squat i like could not even make it through a a pee on one of those toilets it hurt so bad because the squat was it's like i this is like a known uh thing like it just some um groups just do not like have the ability to long form squat like that anyway yeah i've never had the pleasure but i feel like i could pull it off I just have that confidence. I've got that dog in me. It's like, it's so, <laughs> that's the hell of a way to phrase that, Miles. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, I, I know about that one. I know if, if you ever know, this is a micro related one, the whole wet earwax and, and armpit sweat odor thing. 
What? <laughs> if you have wet earwax, you're you're genetically linked to also having like uh, an excretion pattern in your armpits that is a compound that is metabolized by microbes into something that stinks. I think I have. I might have that. I've got some some smelly pits. Smelly pits. Yeah. What? I didn't. Let's move on. <laughs> I want to ask, like, so there, there's, there's at least one professional sign. I mean, he's in academia. Mm. Professor Itsuki? Mm-hmm. Itsuki? Itsuki? Itsuki, yeah. Is this, like, a fairly true-to-life version of a working scientist as a working scientist? I will draw a distinction between professors and working scientists. Um, okay. Because I think that that... There are a lot of working scientists, and I think like some of what this show could have done more of is show the way that like agriculture in particular has a lot of science to it that is done by farmers who are like not typically viewed as scientists. I think if you want a good version of that, please watch Silver Spoon, which is like another really good uh, portrayal of agriculture that's less is it an anime science focused? Yes, Silver Spoon from the Full Metal Alchemist author. Mm. One of my favorites. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of agriculture in the show, or, or not you know for a. Sh- the manga is called Tales of Agriculture, but it's not super agriculture-y. No. It's a lot more foody. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like it's specifically looking at like agriculture for brewing and fermentation, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to like the much wider range of things that agriculture exists for. Right. Um yeah, nobody nobody grew carrots or anything. Yeah, they just have they have the farms and they talk about the farms and their existence. But but yeah, the, the characters themselves do not have the interest in farming um to the same way okay so let's get into like i wanted to ask what you thought of the show's treatment of women because i like i said i think they were kind of hard done by yeah like i guess i can accept that haruka wants to wear the skimpy clothes she is wearing under her lab coat that okay but i thought Oikawa was like a piece of furniture for most of the show and a wet blanket. I mean, she she sort of gets her due later, I guess. The agricultural stuff, the festival stuff where they're like trying to afford enough money to afford the aphrodisiac is like fairly rapey. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, that that whole the premise. Like, I think to me, a lot of this is I like a lot of the the women in the show as characters, mm-hmm. but they are treated as tna in ways that feel awkward and very like of the era to me like i think having the like one random like bath sequence shot and like it just really reminds me of of every show kind of having that for characters i guess every show does kind of have that it's i mean i'm not gonna say it's not still a problem but it, it does feel like it's changed form since the like early aughts through like 2010 type thing yeah and then, like, I think in that same, like, the conclusion to that is that, that Oikawa and Muto, I guess, sleep together? Um, which I don't know if, like, is any is supposed to be anything but fan service, but it sort of felt weird given, like, like the queer stuff that happens in the next couple of episodes. It very much feels like a lazy way to, to discuss some of that topic compared to what I think it ends up doing, which is yeah. better. Um, and I think like one thing I will say that I like is women are allowed to be gross in this show, even though they oh, are yeah. kind of used as TNA. And I do think that is like good in the sense of, man, I really like how they introduce Muto, who is like otherwise supposed to be this incredibly beautiful girl, but she just shows up and just reeks and like hasn't showered in two weeks or whatever. And like, she's totally unbothered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of respect for that. Um, Haruka's and- mean, like, yeah. And accepted as mean and like no one really needs her not to be, which I think is kind of the common thing. And she's like the grown up in the room a lot of the time, which may which maybe is like doesn't cut against the grain so much, but like everyone sort of looks up to her at least. And I think like the one thing that I do like that the 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 sort of as you said rapey set of episodes gets to is like the, the the women aren't idiots. Like they know what's happening, and they confront yeah. they confront the the boys about it. And I think that to me was the pivotal moment where I kind of exhaled, and I was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I was like prepared for it to be. Yeah, and because I think like if you had looked at say like teen comedy movies airing in the United States at the time that this show would have come out, 
the precedent for that would have been much more like they save up all the money, they get the aphrodisiacs, and then they all get laid, right? And like that is not what happens in this show, folks. Like it is like the women definitely maintain the agency, do not give these these boys the thing that they presumably want, and like they even kind of have this this awkward lesson about you know like taking people at their word when Haruka gets drunk and (laughs) Mm -hmm. is my favorite kind of drunk about it but like yeah <laughs> i mean yes the the men do end up clearly being like the bad guys in that situation so like it it does get redeemed in the end it was just like it was like on a knife's edge for a while i was like what's happening here and and like when i we talked earlier about how like there is a, a realism to that in the sense of college-aged men do be like this like <laughs> they they are kind of shitty there is a lot of like rapey culture in colleges specifically um, and I think it would have been better for the show to maybe make it more explicit that it's mm-hmm. recognizing that that is a thing that is awful. And part of where I think a lot of my friction with it came from was that Itsuki Sensei was the one selling the like. Yeah, that was bad. The book, Like, that's the worst part to me. Because <laughs> um, that's also like too real in some senses coming mm-hmm. out of academia in the past couple of years. Like, that's been a real big fucking problem. And like having it be treated as comedy is maybe a little too light, right? Like, I think that could have been uh, handled better if they wanted to include those themes. And and yeah. it, as you said, it kind of, the set of episodes as a whole is really secondary to the rest of the show. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a bad look. It's this very old mm-hmm. professor with a bunch of, like, young, hot, like, students hanging around all the time. Uh, it seemed fraught. And I think it almost would have been better without the sort of, like, Muto and Oikawa sleeping together. Like, I think it would have been better if nothing had worked um, yeah. fully, just like unambiguously. Like, yeah, this was a huge, this was a huge grift. Cause then at least the professor would have been clearly a grifter and like not. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and the, the only victim is like the boys who yeah. stupidly chased after this thing. Yeah. The, the, the victim being the, the shitty men who are trying to be shitty in the first place is like the best possible outcome. In my opinion, for that type of thing. Yeah. But they fumbled the bag at the end. <sighs> that can't. Yeah. It's not a perfect show, I guess. Well, and I think like the the, it definitely feels like the author wanted to include something about like the m- traditional medicine, like weird aphrodisiac stuff. True. Like they wanted that line, and then they're just like, "What if I made this like a one of those American wacky teen comedy?" Like that really is the vibe to me, and like beyond anything else, mm-hmm. it's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the author is definitely he's definitely trying to squeeze in as much like let me tell you about this thing as much as he can which i i appreciate it i think it usually works to, for me but in that case it was like this was like a thin excuse for something gross yeah um well i think like the most interesting thing about this is the queer stuff that we've touched on mm-hmm so, I guess, like I said, that the lesbian stuff was sort of out of nowhere and purely, like, fan service. But there is a plot point where Kay, who's the main character's best friend, disappears for a while mm-hmm. and then comes back dressed as what they call a gothic Lolita uh, and and kisses... Uh, I forget his I keep forgetting. Tadayasu. Yeah. Um, and, like, everyone is, like, cool with it. At the end uh well it's like oikawa freaks out oikawa is, freaks out yes because she's um i don't know homophobic wet blanket yeah no well <laughs> so specifically it's it's just very strange it's such a bizarre thing and I, I i kind of expected this to be the part that aged the worst for me and i kind of ended up coming away from it so for context when i watched the show in 2007 i was definitely like cis straight Mm-hmm. white boy in college and like now i identify as non-binary i'm like constantly reevaluating these things every other friend i have is trans in some form or another right so like this issue matters to me and i think a lot about it deeply mm-hmm. and the way that k leaving and coming back and presenting as a very femme gender and like choosing to kind of kiss like to make a move on their childhood friend who clearly they've had feelings for for a while. It like there was something about that that felt very real mm-hmm. and like refreshing. 
because it wasn't trying to make it this big precious thing. It was just sort of like allowed to happen. And I think the, the best thing is that Tadayasu was not like gagging or anything, right? Like, yeah, I think he was more just like, whoa, what's going on? And that's like super valuable to me. And I think like it was useful that they had Oikawa to be the sort of like homophobic, like well, it's yeah. funny. I say homophobic because like I think Oikawa is viewing it as like, oh, this person who was a boy is now and like that's not really the right term because I think K's gender is left to interpretation basically. Mm-hmm. Um, They're still deciding. And like it was great to have the experience like again a little rapey. Let's let's be clear here like kissing people without their consent all that stuff but like the, the resolution to that being the like Hasegawa just like <laughs> deep kissing Oikawa while she's mm-hmm. panicking is like there's something about that that I like in the sense of it makes people and un- unambiguously allies to K and their experience, and that's not common to to be that explicit about it. I think, especially in this era of media, um, and that to me felt great. Yeah, I I, I thought that was a really great moment with Haruka, um, and I think like. Like thinking back to 2007 makes it feel even more radical. Like, I don't even know. Like, I think same sex marriage was not legal in the United States at the time. Like, it was, I mean, it's still like fairly bad to not be straight in America right now. Mm. Um, and at least from what we've seen on this show, like, I, I don't know that attitudes are any better in Japan. And we certainly haven't seen like, anyone be this like pro to like like non cishet people kissing uh so like it it was really cool how like just out there she was like so what who cares now you're two women kissing who gives a shit right um and that it's older people i think i think there's also value to me in the the old so k ends up working in full femme attire like for this this bar that's run by a very old man who's friends of the professor, who also is like the person, the adult that Kay kind of trusts with this information. And so the the idea also being that these like adult men in Kay's life are fully supportive and understanding of this. I mean, mm-hmm. that is very radical, even by today's standard. I mean, that the yeah. even in something that I think treats this material as like a, a source of drama, often will focus on adults who are not supportive or you know mm-hmm. the ways in which older generations will not understand or create friction with this and the fact that like this the friction in this comes from the the young peer as opposed mm-hmm. to the the adults in the life who have power and authority is like i don't know if it's realistic but it's definitely refreshing yeah the only except the only villain is oikawa who uh you know she voted for trump so I mean, and even then, like that—that that she's like a neat freak, you know, yeah, and that true. she likes older men. Like the the everything about her really does feel, again, accurate to like college freshmen. Like she's definitely the young Republicans like student who's going <laughs> to learn a lot in the next couple of years, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> they they just treated her very badly. They dumped a lot of stuff on her. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I still I still ended up like like to me the sequence where she and Tadayasu go and like buy the mat together. Mm-hmm. Which is like right before this sequence, but I did find that very humanizing, and like she's not it was charming. Like again, she's not like hyper feminine or like cutesy in the way that like anime characters often would be in this context. Like she does mm-hmm. feel like just a normal ass person. Yes, like in her weirdness. Yeah. I I loved uh, in that episode. She says the closet of a woman living alone houses the universe. Is <laughs> a real thinker. I think the only thing that I would say about the K plot line is that I don't know that it's, I mean, maybe if I watched back and really looked out for it, I don't know if it was like, it sort of came out of nowhere. You know, I mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if it was seeded that well at the beginning. It, well, and like, it, it was very interesting to go back and rewatch it, knowing what that is mm-hmm. because like two things have changed since then. One, I would, I am more willing to see that as like the reason that these things would be hinted at. Mm. Um, and I obviously knew what was going to happen explicitly. So when they have like the phone calls between Itsuki or like when Itsuki kind of has those conversations with Kay, then they kind of talk through it, like knowing what was going to happen. I do agree that like the, 
again, it's like you wouldn't normally expect to see a young queer person have those conversations with this old ass crusty World War II vet professor. Yeah. Right. Like no way in hell. Right. Like and and not tell the child. Like it's just a very different mm-hmm. um, framing than I think what I'm used to seeing. But I also do know, you know, friends I went to high school with who have since come out. And like sometimes that is what their support network is. Right. Like I've heard people talk about their grandparents being the most supportive and like who they went to first. Right. And in, in that sense, I felt like it worked for me this time around. Okay more than the first time because because I knew to anticipate it and like I appreciated the unique way in which it anticipates it um okay. but it is kind of a it, it is ultimately kind of a throwaway thing and I think I want to watch season 2 now in part to to know how it's resolved if at all yeah because it is it like yeah it for me I was just like wait who is is this a new character uh who is this person I like I I I didn't understand it until I understood it mm mm-hmm. mhm so like well, I think uh, I will I sorry one thing I really quickly I will say is like knowing what happens there are like Tadayasu comments on a couple occasions that people saying like hey looks girly is like oh no you can't uh, say that you can't say that right like that that shit hits cuz like I know that feel I like lived that vibe for many many years right the mm-hmm. sort of denial and the like the way in which certain insults around that stuff like really get under your skin and sort of the, so the comments on that to me did portend a lot and made me think that that maybe the author did like do do more diligence than you might expect on some of this. Um, so that that I want to shout out. Yeah, and that's again that's amazing for two thousand seven, which was mm. a long time ago now, Tim. Fifteen years, Miles. What was I doing in two thousand seven? I guess I was, I guess I was in college, not thinking about like these <laughs> issues at all, not thinking about microbiology not thinking about like i had probably had never heard the word non-binary in my life but like this person was thinking about it good for you uh author masayuki ishikawa good for you i am realizing that i probably read judith butler like within a year after watching this show for the first time so that's incredible (laughs) tell us who judith butler is ah judith butler is uh, a well-known professor of rhetoric but not to me um <laughs> oh because you know okay but basically judith butler is one of the like preeminent gender scholars of okay. the past few decades um sweet known most famously i think for the book gender trouble and that was what i read excerpts of and yeah it talks a lot about gender identity and culture and performance and good shit hell yeah i guess um this author must have also been reading up so yeah so i so the show ends up I guess being about, like, based on, like, the threads of Tadayasu and Kei and Haruka, like, this, you get this message of, like, you know, they're they're all sort of born into situations that they don't want to be in, and the show seems to be arguing, like, you have the right to pick your own destiny, you don't have to do, like, the exact thing that your parents tell you to do, because both Tadayasu and Kei are sort of consigned to inheriting their father's businesses. Haruka is like being forced into this arranged marriage, um, in it, which we find out about an episode. I really like where we get sort of her background, but like they all sort of just choose or, or they have the ability to like explore other paths for themselves, which I thought was really cool. But I was wondering, like it made me think like, is the study of microbiology like a good like is it somehow a metaphor for that <laughs> it, it felt like sort of, i don't I, I didn't know if they were like if they fit together it's so interesting because like i agree that i like the message a lot i think in particular that the later episodes have this big point about you know tadayasu is the main character who can see microbes and like they're like oh this is a valuable ability right and then when he loses that temporarily we find but like it becomes a sort of question of like well what is your your worth and like how do you like how could you ever do these things and i think the conclusion the really move to me as a microbiologist nerd right like the moving (laughs) conclusion being the like i do love microbes even if i can't see that you know that's sort of Mm -hmm. like i'm biased i'm super fucking biased on this but like um I think, like, again, this this is where I will once again cite kind of the, the power of having the older generation be the one supportive of that, yeah. where they have, they show that Tadayasu's grandfather is actually the one who who wanted him to meet 
Itsuki sensei and like for his the sake of him w- deciding whether or not he did want to to take over the family business or even be interested in the aspergillus organism you know like whether he actually wanted to to work with this ability and do something with it um and i think that that's like it's powerful to me to see this for something that isn't just the arts i have a degree in music and in molecular biology i ended up going down the path of molecular biology for a number of reasons right it is definitely the one that is easier to get a job in uh and it pays a lot better but like i also just didn't find as much joy in music and i think in media oftentimes the way things are portrayed is like oh you you either choose the harsh path of the the humanities labor of love or you sell out and do business or like science or whatever and i think like there is this middle ground to me where you can be a nerd about science and pick a career that you know doesn't really get talked about that much mm-hmm. um you could be a nerd about anything and like you know? having a show that's about nerds in this way is like very powerful to me as one of those nerds um like i've read papers about um the way that scientific labor is often alighted in discussions of like production and things like agriculture um there's actually a study about Japanese fisheries and the role of like fish husbandry in, you know, helping sustainability and, and these types of things. And like this to me is like, if you want to be that nerd, like chase it, right? Like it, it won't mm-hmm. be as high paying as a doctor, like a medical doctor or, you know, um, working as an engineer and selling out to like build bombers or something. Like there's all sorts of ways in which I think there's a reputation with each of these careers. Um, and this to me is firmly in the niche of, yeah, if you like microbes, dog, like study microbes. The yeah. same way that like a, a show like, um, you know, March Comes in Like a Lion deals a lot with wanting to play Shogi or a show like Ping Pong the Animation deals with like being a ping pong athlete, right? Um, so that's where it, I find that very moving because I am the nerd who picked microbes. <laughs> yeah. I think this would be something good for the kids to see, you know? Like, this is probably something like, I don't know, like you get exposed to so much bullshit in terms of like what you're supposed to be when you grow up, like, and you don't realize like the breadth of the stuff that you could be interested in mm. if you want to be. And if you just like hear about it at the right time, like, I don't know, like, like, cause I have a two year old and like, you know, like even at two, like you hear the jobs that exist are like, you could be a policeman, you could be a fireman, you can operate a train. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, there's like a whole bunch of other stuff to consider out there. And I'm sure like, you know, at, when you get older, you get exposed to more stuff. But I can already sort of see like, sort of the limited paths you're presented with growing up. This is certainly something that I was never presented with growing up, like, could you be an agricultural scientist and just ferment stuff all day? Like, I don't know. Well, and like, like, yeah, I didn't know that agricultural science was like a thing until I watched this. Right. Like it, it just didn't seem like a scientific endeavor. Right. Like farmers are farmers. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, there's like soil biologists. Yeah. And they run experiments on farm crops in farmland. Right. Like the, you know, like all that stuff exists and is, I think, different than what I would have expected it to be, just given what I was taught growing up. Um, and I think a big a big takeaway for me watching this show now that I'm out of college and closer in position to someone like Itsuki Sensei is like, yeah, like try to nurture this in people and like help them stoke their passions rather than force them into roles that they that they should, quote unquote, pursue. Is that why you wanted to do this podcast? Maybe a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We're sending this to all the the kids out there who don't know what they want to do with their lives. Okay, so microorganisms, I still am not 100... (laughs) I still am, like, not 100% convinced that it's, like, a thematic fit. Like... Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It is, like, a weird, like, all right, here's a bunch of stuff about microbiology, but also, like, you know, be yourself. (laughs) Um... But I, I like both of those things. Well, and I think like the the thing to me that makes it a good thematic fit is just in some of the the, the ways that we blunt the issues with gender. I mean, I think like yeah. 
having someone like Harukawa Hasegawa be this like very typical like bird in a cage, uh, you know, arranged marriage, like beautiful rich woman, and then she's studying bacteria. That that I think hits in a way that wouldn't if she was in med school, right? Or if mm. if this was uh, like music school, right? Like the the sort of set of things in which I've seen that character is distinct to me from. Yeah, I work for this weird old dude who's like burying dead seals on yeah. like campus ground, right? Like, and I, and I like that. I like that as sort of the the vibe. Um, so I agree with you that like it maybe isn't the best thematic fit on paper, but I do think that it does enable that vibe in a way that is special to me. That's a good point. Speaking of the dead seals, like, have you had any of the gross foods Ooh. that were presented with here? Good question. Um, a lot of them I haven't, at least in season one. Um, okay. And like, I will say season two, it continues the kind of trend of introducing all these these interesting ones. Oh, so you've already watched season two. Oh, year, years and years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have not rewatched it yet, but I, I do remember okay. like, I remember one particular one example of one and then I think a couple other niches, but like. Okay, we'll see how people like this episode and maybe yeah, we'll get exactly. to that. <laughs> <laughs> Your audience of me is going to love it and definitely demand that you do You've more. just got to listen a lot to convince yeah. uh, Mark. <laughs> that this is worthwhile it'll do numbers i swear um, <laughs> um I'll, I'll yeah, i'm trying to think of like what fermented f- I, I the kombucha that i was making mm-hmm. i can't really think of anything else what are like common fermented i guess well, kimchi I've so had. so definitely miso like since i watched this miso. i don't think i had had much like miso um and that's something that i've definitely sampled more of uh since this soy sauce as well um soy sauce sake drink a lot of i've I've had my kind of like phase of expensive nice sakes and doing tastings and comparisons um that episode in particular was one you mentioned like how accurate is the science i do think the like the way that they're like oh my god this sake is incredible you know some of that i definitely think is that exaggerated food anime style of of presentation they're good Mm -hmm. like it's fun to do these tastings or whatever but listen like have you brewed sake uh, I have not. It's it's tough, man. Like the the koji step is is different. Is very different from the yeast and beer process that you would do for other homebrew projects. So it's it's mm. it's a, definitely more involved. Um, I have thought about kuchikamizake, the the mouth chewed variant, but those end up getting sour in a way that I don't really enjoy the taste of. Yeah, it's also gross to think about. Uh, I've had <laughs> multiple every. For a while, like I was on a streak of bosses who brewed their own beer, classic with varying success. I had a <laughs> landlord who brewed his own beer, and he made it way too strong and carbonated, and it would just get you really, really drunk. Uh, and it wasn't that good. Other fermented food: Filipinos eat a lot of um, bagoong. Have you had bagoong? Uh I don't think so. Does it have a? It is fermented. Uh, I think shrimp paste. Oh, yes. Okay. I have had that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very strong. Uh, I hated it as a kid and now I like it. Um, I've that fish sauce is a great example of it. Yeah. Fermented fish products like that. I've had a bunch of those. Like there's a cured squid. I think that's fermented in Japanese cuisine that I've had as like a bar snack. Um, I, I've had a bunch of weird stuff, even if it's not in this show. Like I had the fermented Greenland shark that's in Iceland. Um, I've read Carl. about this. It's it's I think it's one of those famous ones because like Gordon Ramsay ate it and threw it up or whatever. Gordon Ramsay's a wimp, y'all. I just want to say. It's not it it's strongly flavored like ammonia, which is I love all of the details on this thing. It's like you you ferment it to break down like a very toxic product that's in the shark by default into ammonia, which is less toxic. Great. Um but like definitely has a taste. Um I feel like I remember, all right, you could correct me if I'm wrong because you're a scientist, but it's it's like a way of getting nutrients that you wouldn't normally otherwise in a place where you can't grow vegetables, right? I think that's commonly one of the things that, that it's, it's cited as being good for. Um, okay. I don't I don't know the numbers on it. Like, you know, I haven't read any reviews on, but, but it's true, right? Like if you take something like uh, sugar and ferment it with something like yeast, like the yeast will produce vitamins and and things that that in theory could benefit you i mean it kind of depends on the breakdown and all that like i'm not going to be out here going like i've heard some beer people be like oh beer is like very nutritious it has like niacin and like 
Uh, and it's sort of like, okay, in some contexts, this is true, right? If you're really strapped for nutrients, like on a, <laughs> like if you're on a ship and like you can't like get access to fresh fruits and vegetables, right? But it's like, it's not mm. a substitute for those things. Yeah, I don't think it balances out. <laughs> yeah. In my experience. Um, I yeah, should have been right. having a beer while we were doing this episode. We I should thought have had about some it. sort I, of fermented food. I wimped out because I just got off work and I didn't want to get sleepy. But I've definitely, yeah, and I, I will say I've had like natto, which is in this show for sure. Um, that's the the soybean that the bee subtleist ferments that's kind of notoriously stinky and, and slippery. Mm. That one's fun. Yeah, lots of stuff. Any other stuff you hated or loved as we wrap up? I mean, like, what else can I even say? I think, I think what what I will say is like this show hit before I started teaching food science, and the thing that I kept coming back to was like how many foods this show introduced me to that yeah. later became really good examples of fermentation. And I think like what I would have liked, and I think season two starts getting into this, but like there there are so many fermented foods that you could talk about with this show mm-hmm. as a platform, and I'd love to see them like talk about chocolate fermentations, right? Or Ooh. like the like civet coffee, like you could do a lot of fun stuff with fermented foods that aren't in here, but like they already cover so many that are great that I can't really complain, right? It's just I just want to see my faves, you know. <laughs> this anime seems very much made for you. I think the only other thing I wanted to say is that I already touched on it. The flu episode was very triggering for me. <laughs> it was like just a ton of people getting a mysterious illness they all had to wear masks somebody actually said masks don't keep viruses out and i was like oh that God. okay yeah i remember that line <laughs> that definitely was like because and that's so for some context on that like i was saying that um back when the pandemic started because the research that had been like parroted in the reviews in this sort of like academic space was that i mean like they they had discussed and it, i think this pandemic is really what kind of kickstarted a lot of research to try to like push back on that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's now different, but like, yeah, times, times were different back then. Yeah. But you're still a coward if you wear a mask, right? Uh, if you do not, if I catch you in public without a mask on in the year of our Lord, 2022, I'm coming to your house and force feeding you Sir Streming. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really, uh, it shook me up a little bit so you think i should watch season two i mean listen (laughs) i'm not gonna stop you if you want to i i i remember it it's more of the same is what i will say okay i think if if you enjoyed your time with this one like approach the season two with the same thing it'll have some of the same hang-ups i do remember there being some weird fan service but then it also has like new fermented foods and a whole trip to a different country that's interesting if that's at all intriguing to you but yeah it's bizarre (laughs) does it have as much heart though tim it there is a scene in which microbes maybe spell words of encouragement on an object similar to what happens in this season and to me you can't have more heart than that okay (laughs) you get choked up at the microbes at all (laughs) i just people people give them so much shit all the time and they just they're just here to to brew man hey look you're preaching to the choir i read ed young's i contain multitudes <laughs> uh it was a life-changing book all about the microbiome uh and i haven't washed my hands since because i want to preserve all of the bacteria on my body uh <laughs> i think that's pretty much it so Everyone, if you like this episode uh, enough, uh, tell Mark and we'll watch season two (laughs) (laughs) and give him uh, more work. Uh, I'm drafting 20 emails to Mark from anonymous accounts as we speak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, If if you have listened to this whole thing, thank you. I have no idea in what context this has appeared. I don't know if it's going to be like a bonus episode in addition to the regular things in the feed or if we drop it in when like we feel like taking a break or whatever but i appreciate you listening to me and tim talking uh don't forget you can email us any thoughts at god what is the email jojo's bizarre pod at gmail.com right in and 
and tell Mark that he's a coward for not eating more fermented foods. For a long time, let's just talk about Mark for a second. For a long time, actually, maybe this is still a policy. He did not eat any vegetables, which makes me worry about him. I think this show was important for Mark to watch. I think maybe Mark is the one who needs to watch all, all seasons one and two, just to gain that appreciation. You should definitely do Silver Spoon next. Okay. Maybe I'll uh, pay you money. <laughs> we'll see anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we've, we've got, it, we're recording this in August, so JoJo's is coming back soon, which is what this podcast is uh, t- uh, about. Uh, what am I forgetting? Twitter, JGBPod and patreon.com slash ggbpod if you want to pay us to talk about any other shows uh i think that tier is actually closed right now but eventually it'll reopen because jojo's isn't actually forever um i think that's it tim thanks for convincing me to do this i think you made me like the show more as we talk yes success (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it works the same trick on all of our listeners all one uh, of them being me. It'll definitely work. <laughs> okay, thanks everyone. Good. Bye. Bye.